Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. We're really glad you're here. We're in the middle of this series, which we started last week called My Story. And I don't know about you, but I could just like listen to that woman for a long time. She reminds me, my grandma is 93 years old and there's, she's British, so the accent's different. But uh, there's people that are further in life that they have a lot of story to tell. And if you listen, you could actually learn a lot. And so each week we're going to hear just a little uh, snippet of perspective uh, from her. Uh, in, in our role in, but I, I wanted to show up on screen something she said just in case you missed it because I think it's really important. She says, regret, remorse, pages and pages of life wasted and gone, but your story isn't finished yet. There's still time for edits and cuts, but before you start doing the right things, sometimes you need to stop doing the wrong things. My story, I decided to stop. And uh, this week, that's what we're talking about, how we need to make a decision to stop doing some of the wrong things that prevent us from living the story that, that we need to tell. Uh, if you missed last week on Easter, we celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ came to give us the opportunity to have a new story. That despite the decision that we've all made to go our own way, that's what the Bible calls sin, despite the fact that we've decided to go our own way and, and rebel, uh, Jesus Christ came to pay the price for our sin. Uh, he paid the penalty for our rebellion. Because of that, we don't actually have to earn God's favor. It's actually granted to us through Jesus. That's what it, grace is. It's unmerited favor. We can't earn it. So we can't try to, to do better things or to be better or just believe better. We, we actually can trust Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. And he actually is all that we need to start again. And so if you missed last week, you can listen online at churchinthevalley.com. You can also podcast with us at Church in the Valley Alhambra. But this week we're talking about how sometimes to start a new story, you actually need to stop doing some of the things that we've always done. And if you're like me, that actually can be sometimes harder because there's many times that I can see new things that I need to do. But sometimes it's harder to take a step back and look at life and ask the honest question, well, what are the things that I'm currently doing that are preventing me from living the life that God wants me to live. And in this series, we're looking at uh, decisions. And something I shared last week is that the decisions that we make today, it's the story that, that we, we, we tell tomorrow. So the decisions that you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. It happens in choices. And those choices and those decisions only happen in the present. I mentioned this last week, but how many of you can make a decision right now based on your past like you can't make a decision in the past. Why? It's not a trick question because it's in the past. How many of you can make a decision right now in the future? None of us, right? It makes sense. But if you think of your life, so many things that we face are connected to our past. Regret. So many things that we're concerned about and worried about are connected to our future. But neither in the past nor in the future can we actually make decisions. We only can make decisions right here and right now. So in the course of this series, we're looking at what are the decisions that we can make. And today, the focus is on the decisions that we can make to stop doing the things that maybe slow us down in life, stall our progress, prevent us from living the life that God wants us uh, to live. Our theme uh, verse of this whole series is Hebrews 12. Uh, two. It's up here on the screen. It says, let, our fi- let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is why we celebrated last week in, in Easter. We celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sin. But as you fix your eyes on him, he can actually allow a new story to be written uh, in your life. And so the question is, based on that, if we fix our eyes on Jesus and he is the author, he allows a new story to be written. How do we live a life and how do we live a story worth telling? That's what I want to ask each of us is how do we live a story worth telling? How do we make decisions that allow that uh, to happen? And here's my premise for day for today on this idea of, of stopping as important as it is to start. We also need to stop. And there's certain things that we need to stop and we need to stop them because we've always done them. And without realizing it, it's actually uh, slowed us down. So the premise in Hebrews 12, one, the verse before this is there's certain things in your life. There's certain things in my life that I need to stop doing that, that I've always done. And if, if you could just kind of pause there for a second, is there things in your life that you've done for so long that you may need to stop doing? You think, well, Alex, I, how do I know? And that's the question we're going to be looking at. Well, how, how can we find out? How can we look at the things that we've always done and ask the question, do I need to stop doing them? In Hebrews 12, 1, uh, we're, we're actually kind of encouraged to do that. And you'll see this on the screen. To start living a new story, we need to stop doing the things we've always done. And this is what it says in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What's interesting is there's a context. This therefore is connected to chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews is describing in chapter 11, all the people that have gone before us that have decided to follow God and live a life of faith. They have allowed God to rewrite their own story. They have followed God through starting and stopping and going and staying and hard things and they've seen God come through. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying that we have, if you're a Christ follower, people who've gone before you, who have set out a path for which we can walk on. Now we're talking about the story, but the analogy in this passage is actually connected to a race and story and race are, are actually parallel and they're true. The Christian life is a story that you live. Actually, all of our lives are, whether you're a Christian or not, your, your life is telling a story. But the Christian life is also a race that, that we are meant to run with a certain course in a certain direction. And what the, the writer of Hebrews is saying is all of us are running this race and it's our opportunity to run the race in line with the people that have gone before us. All these great cloud of witnesses, the examples of people of the faith in the Old Testament. And that's what chapter 11 describes. All these people who've chosen the hard thing, they set this, this path for us. If you've ever been running before, it's helpful when you have a path in which you know to run. If you're just kind of running aimlessly, it could be a two-mile run that turns into 20 miles. Nobody wants that. And it's the same in life. We all want direction. We all want a path to run on. And what the writer's saying is there's this path. And for you to set your, your life on this path to run this race, there's certain things that you need to do. And in this verse, we're told to throw off two things. This is what we're supposed to stop. 
And you'll see there, there's two things. We're supposed to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles. And this is the question. What are the hindrances and sins that we need to stop or that we need to to throw off? So I want to just define what a hindrance is. In the original language, as the writer is saying, you need to throw off a hindrance. It's actually literally defined as like a weight. And again, the context is a race. Now, I don't know if you've gotten into the world of elite running, any elite runners out there. (laughs) I like that. There's like raising a hand and then just smiling at everyone around. Right. Well, in elite running, every every second counts. And so for elite runners, what they do is they spend so much time finding the lightest shoe possible because research has shown if you lose an ounce of your shoe, the weight of your shoe, it gains you a second back on a mile. Now for you and I, I'm like a second, like really like a second, but to an elite runner, that second is the difference between winning a race and not. And so the idea is an elite runner, they're looking at anything that weighs them down. That's going to cost them winning the race. For the Christian, this is defined as a hindrance and literally it's not the weight of our shoe, but it's the weight of things in our life. And so I began thinking, what, what are certain things that we carry in our life? All of us that weigh us down. And we've been looking at some of these themes. Regret. I think that's one. Wouldn't you agree? There's things that you've done in your life that it kind of comes back up as you're living and you look back at a season of your life and there's regret there. There's some disappointment. There's maybe some shame and that's a weight on us. It's weighing us down. So it's preventing us from actually running the race effectively. I think another thing is busyness. Have you ever found yourself saying yes to so many things and then you look at your calendar, you look at the state of your life, your health, your, your just emotional sensibility and you think like, I am, I am burnt out. You ever gotten to that point point where you're, you're burnt out? Do you know that we're all burnt out because of our own decisions? Sorry, I kind of set you up for that. (laughs) Raise your hand and then I will condemn you. (laughs) But isn't that true? Like when I think I'm so busy, the answer is who says yes to Alex's schedule? Good job, Alex. I won't do that to any of you. Okay. But, but it's true. I'm the one that says yes to my schedule. You're the one that says yes to yours. And so busyness, oftentimes it weighs us down and it's the decisions that we've made. Another one is, is you ever, you ever got to the point where you just, you feel like you're in the midst of a lot of people, but you feel alone. Like no one understands you. Like your situation. They may not understand you. You're kind of just doing your own thing and you're around a lot of people at work. You're maybe around a lot of people, even at church and even in home, but you you have a sense of like, you're, you're lonely. You're just kind of cut off. You're isolated. That's a real feeling. And that's actually a weight. That's a hindrance. It weighs on us. So regret, busyness, feeling overwhelmed. These are weights. So we're supposed to actually throw those off. We're supposed to stop doing those things. The second category is actually sin. This isn't just weight. These are things that we do. These are things that we think. These are things that we say that are actually just wrong. They're not pleasing to the Lord Jesus. It could be, uh, you lie, you lie a lot and you try to keep track of your lying to your boss or to the people close to you, but it's hard. And that that's just sin. And that's something you need to stop because it's thwarting your progress. You may lust, you know, you may look at porn. You may really struggle with that, that, that just hiding sin that, that you know is wrong. And it, it's something that that's weighing you down. It's taking you off course. You may worry. 
You know, we're actually commanded to not be anxious about anything, but you may worry. And, and that's something that's, that's entangling you. And I could go on and on. We all have our own sin. The good news is here at church in the Valley, you're not asked to stand up and proclaim yours. Isn't that a relief? But I have mine and, and you have yours. And we have these things that they really prevent us from living the life and living this story worth telling because these things, the scriptures describing as it entangles us. Now, if you put, can you go back to uh, verse two up there? Notice this and the sin that so what's that word right here easily. Now that should be a relief, but the thing is about the hindrances and the thing about the sin, it so easily entangles us. You ever just want to get past certain things and you can't and you find yourself doing the same thing over again. Well, welcome that we are all there because sin and hindrances, they entangle us. And the definition of entangling here is actually the same as a race, but it'd be like you're getting started in this race and you're getting warmed up. And you've got this, this course that you're running and in the middle, right in the warm up as you're supposed to start, all the other competitors come around you and it's not to encourage you, but they're your competitors and they have encircled you and they start saying, you think you're going to run this race? You can't run this race. I've got you. I'm going to beat you. I'm better than you. My shoes are lighter. I just shaved a second off my mile. And you know, my shoes are too heavy. You start, you get what I'm saying. That's the entangled. You're surrounded. But instead of it being competitors, we're surrounded by our own choices. We're surrounded by our patterns of sin. And that entanglement is this picture of it chokes the life out of you. And the reason you have to stop the worry and you have to stop the lust and you have to stop the lying and you have to stop the pride. You have to stop filling your own is because you can't start unless you stop. And that's the way it is. You cannot start unless you stop doing things that you've always done. Now I want to encourage you. The thing that we celebrated last week in Easter is the celebration that we can stop and change. Not because you have the power or I have the power but because Jesus Christ ultimately has the power. And that's the best news. The reason we can throw off the sin that entangles us and the hindrances that weigh us is because Jesus Christ came to sacrifice his life to make that possible. And that's the best news. And so as you kind of think about this, and there is a certain heaviness to this as we think about the things in our life that we don't like. And if we're really honest, we know we need to change. The great news is you can't change yourself. No one can change you. No self-improvement book, no guru, only Jesus can change you. And that's the best news possible because that's exactly what Jesus wants to do. He accepts us as we are. We can come to him. And then as we follow him, we change. And so I want to kind of share an example of this from the old Testament, from the life of Moses. Now, if you've heard of Moses before, if you're familiar with Bible stories, he's the person that led the Israelites out of Egypt. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, he's a kind of a central figure in the Old Testament. The Israelites, God's people, were his chosen people, and they were under slavery in Egypt. And the greater stories that you may know is Moses got talked to from a burning bush. God spoke to him. Doesn't happen to all of us. It happened to Moses. Moses had the job to go into Egypt to free the Israelites and tell the Pharaoh to let God's people go. 
He did that by, with his staff, with the power of God, putting his staff down in the Red Sea on which they needed to cross, parted, and they walked on dry land. All this stuff is in the Bible, and it happened. Miraculous things of God saving his people. But there's actually an unknown part of Moses' story that you may have heard before, but you might not have. And this is a little bit later. After the people had been freed and they're in the wilderness and Moses has a tremendous amount of responsibility on his life. He's the leader and the leader is responsible for the people. And so he's taking that responsibility on and his father-in-law Jethro in Exodus 18 visits him and wants to catch up on life. If you could imagine your son-in-law has led God's people out of the greatest power on earth. He let them cross the Red Sea, they walked on dry land. Could you imagine like the initial conversation? They had like, hey, like, how's it going? What you been up to? Imagine the conversation there. Well, let me tell you about the time we walked through the Red Sea. You know, there's a lot to say. But Jethro is coming to connect with Moses and find out just firsthand from my son-in-law. What, what has God done among you? And so they, they, they spend some time catching up. And then Moses, because he's a leader and he's responsible, he, he actually has things that, that he needs to do. And so I want to pick up on some things that Moses is doing and then pay attention to Jethro's reaction. Uh, let's put that up on the screen. So the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. So he has his tasks. Even though he has family in town, he still needs to be responsible for his his stuff that he, that he has going on. Go to the next verse. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? So Jethro comes and he's observing. Okay. Moses is, he's the judge for, for all the people. Then it goes on in verse 15. Moses answered him because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. So, so here's the picture, a little summary. Moses goes about his responsibilities, his job. He's actually trying to do good. He's trying to help the people. Jethro notices and asks the question, why are you doing that? And Moses answers, because that's what we do. Isn't that just kind of an interesting, like that's how I am in my own life. You ever just do things because you've always done them? I know I do. And somebody asks why, and you're like, well, because I did that last week. Well, why'd you do it last week? Because like the week before I did it. And then like as you ask more and more questions, you come to find out like that doesn't really make any sense. And so you can imagine Jethro's just, what's going on? And then Moses is saying, well, this is the way we, we've always done it. And then, then it, it gets a little bit more real for Moses. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, if if you're not married, and if you're a guy, and you're going to get married, one of your prime objectives in life is like you at least want your father-in-law to somewhat not think you don't know what you're doing. Right, men who are married, who have father-in-laws. Right. There's a part of us where you want, you know, you may not want to impress many people, but if you do want to impress somebody, it's the dad who gave you the woman that you're now responsible for. And so they've had a great time. They're connecting. And then Jethro just says, what, what you're doing is, is not good. 
Now, this makes complete sense to you. And this makes complete sense to everybody because they're coming to you and they're asking you for the help and you're giving them the help, but you're trying to do everything on your own power. You are going to wear yourselves out. And what Jethro is doing is an important principle for all of us. What he's telling Moses is, Moses, play the story out. Play the story out. If you continue in this direction, how will this end? I don't know about you. But I need to ask myself that regularly. Play the story out, Alex. If you continue in this direction, how will it end? Now, all of us want life change, right? We want to grow. But here's something I've realized about myself. I want life change, but I don't want to change. Isn't that true? We want the change. We want to grow, but when it comes down to it, do we actually want to make the choices that will bring that about? And that's what, what Jethro is doing. He's saying, Moses, I'm on the outside looking in. I've not been among the patterns that have established. I've not been around all this that's happening. And what I'm seeing is this is not good for you. This is not good for the people. And if you play this story out, it's going to end up at a place which is not going to be good. And the story goes on and Moses actually heeded that and they began to figure out how to get organized. And as the people are growing, how to, how to do this in a way that, that is actually going to be healthy and strategic for the future of the Israelites. But what Jethro did was he took a huge risk. Wow, you can hear the boy's classroom. Can you hear that? <laughs> this is the first classroom that, or first week that we've moved classrooms. Now we know. So that means if we yell, they can hear us. So at the end of the service, I'm going to say, are you ready to take your next step? And you're going to say, yeah, they, they will not hear that guys. That was pathetic. Okay. No, it's, I'm just kidding. I won't make you do that, but that would be fun. Cause I have two sons in that class. So stop doing things you've always done. Okay. So you guys are tracking. I got distracted there, but so Jethro takes a risk. Now, if you're like me, if I'm honest, there's a part in which. We, we can agree, like, we all need a Jethro. Because what, what Moses is, he couldn't see. That's like a blind spot. You know, the blind spot in your car, you kind of, you ever do that? You kind of change the lanes, and you're like, oh, there was a car there. <laughs> That's happened to me occasionally. <laughs> like, oh, there, where'd that car come from? It's weird. Just came from the sky, you know. It's, it's in the blind spot. You can't see it. So all of us are like, yeah, we all have blind spots. There's things that we cannot see. Then what happens to us, if you're like me, is then you get to the point where it's like, you know, we all need a a Jethro. And then you ask this question. Who needs a Jethro in their life? And you start thinking about people. Yeah, that person has a blind spot. And we can easily think in this area, who needs a Jethro? And we begin thinking about Jethro, the person who can see what can't be seen. But I want you to do is I want you to think like a Moses what is your blind spot? Well, Alex, how can I know? I can't see it. This is a chance to, to, to be really honest. There's certain things that you know you're where you are because of decisions that you make, right? You're where you are because of decisions that you make. 
And if you're really honest, you take a step back. There's a part in which you could say this decision that I've made has led me to here. And this decision that I made here has led me to here. And I don't want to be here. But if I'm honest with myself, I look back and say, I made that decision. I made that decision. And I made that decision. And we're not talking about just behaviorism. We're saying there's things that we want. And that's why we make the decisions that we make. And every decision we make is sending us in a direction and our behavior is purposeful. We don't end up where we are by accident. Now, some of us have things that are really terrible that's happened to us. But along the way, even when bad things happen to us, we still have a decision to make. And there's certain things that we need to stop doing because it is not good. So I want to ask you this. If you play the story out with the things that you're currently doing, where will you end up? And is that the place that God wants you to be? I'm going to just share a few things in my own life. Some of you were around a couple years ago when I ruptured my Achilles. You guys remember that? I was the the one-footed man. That wasn't my official title. I just thought of that right now. Um, I had to wear a walking boot. And for about a year, I, I wasn't really at my like full health. I couldn't really move. And at that time, I realized, like, you know, I'm actually really not healthy. And I was trying to get back into working out. And then that's when I snapped my Achilles. It's like, that's what you get for exercising. (laughs) Don't write that down. Okay. Um, so I, I, you know, I had that, that setback and then I re-ruptured it. And so for about a year, I, I, I really struggled with just that inability to do what I wanted to do. And I started to look at like my relationship with my kids and I was like incapacitated. And I realized, you know, there's certain things about me that that's not really healthy. Like in just my physical health, like I couldn't be active. That really had an impact on me. And I realized there are certain things that I need to stop doing that are leading to me to be unhealthy. And I've struggled. And I'm just going to be real. Like I've struggled with many years with my weight ever since I was young. I've had like hard things because of that. Now, if you're like a bigger person, you you can relate to that. Because if it's a struggle for you, it's something that maybe it's been hard for you to deal with over life. But for me, like, I realized, like, I don't want to be at this place where I'm unhealthy and not able to play with my kids. And I had to stop doing certain things with, with my habits. Spiritually, another area I had to stop doing was I was wasting my time in my car as I was driving places. I get into my car and I like talk radio. I like it because I don't have to think. I like to not think. You know what, though? I need to stop doing that because my mind is something that I have to think. I have to engage. I have to take captive. I have to train it can't let it run wild. That's what I was doing. I was just letting it run wild. And I thought, you know, as I'm driving places, one of the things I need to do is I need to increase my prayer life. I need to start praying more. But in order for me to start praying more, I need to stop listening to talk radio. That was a struggle. And it still is because when I get in, there's a choice I have to make. Like, do I just want to veg and just kind of do what I want? Or is this an opportunity to pray and actually think? So I had to stop doing that. Another thing that I, I have to stop doing is there's a part of me when sometimes I have things on my mind that I want done, I can relate to my kids, and instead of engaging with them, I think of the things that they need to do. Parents, you, can you relate to that? Like you see your kid and you forget, I need to relate to them as a person, not a project. That's something I've had to really stop and start. I have to stop demanding them and start relating to them. And that's been a struggle because I look at my house, I'm thinking like, I just told them to clean that up. 30 seconds ago. And what I don't know is that they actually did, but in 25 seconds past that, it's messy again. 
But it's easy in those roles as a parent. You can just get in this like demanding state and control and demand and control, demand and control, and you can lose the relationship. I started to realize, like, I don't, I don't want that. And it, that's a battle. But I have to stop doing that. You, 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 you have your own. You, you may need to, to stop living out your means financially. Credit cards are a great thing, but a curse at the same time, right? Because if you don't have the money and you charge it, do you know you still don't have the money? But you can charge it and you could fake yourself out. Like, well, next month I'll have it. But for me, like next month's budget is for next month. But there's things that we can do financially that we need to stop doing. Like living outside our means. We get into debt. We need to stop doing that. But it comes with the choices we make. Maybe, you know, your own health, your bad habits. Uh, Maybe just lying. People ask you something and you have a decision to make. Like, am I going to actually be forthcoming with what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and be honest? Or am I going to just kind of say half truth? Because I don't really want people to know. We hide from people. We need to stop doing that. Um, We may need to stop grumbling and complaining. It's easy in life to see things from this angle of it's, it's negative. And instead of looking for the good that could come, it's just easy to look at the bad and all the what ifs and we can run the scenarios. We need, we need to stop doing that. We need to just stop hiding our sin from others. God sees everything. We cannot fake God. He sees it all. But we can fake other people. What ends up happening is if we play that story out, we actually end up at the place that's really unhealthy for us. So I want to encourage you. Part of stopping is you have to be honest with yourself. Because there's blind spots about you that people could help you with. But unless you're honest with yourself, no Jethro can come into your life and you will hear them. So unless you're at a place where you're willing to stop doing things that you've always done, it's going to be very hard for you to change. And I want to speak plainly for you and to you because this area is so much of a disconnect for all of us. We have the destination that we want to be and we want to be blessed and we want to grow and we want to change. But oftentimes we think it's like a magic carpet that appears and we step on it and it just takes a, a whole new world. Don't you dare close your... Aladdin, anybody was that yeah, tracking? Okay, don't don't clap. Stop. Right. Uh, but but that's how it is with our decisions. It's like I just make my decisions and all of a sudden this magic carpet's going to roll up and I just step on it and I get to the destination. Life doesn't work like that. You make decisions and then you end up at the destination. So are you where God wants you to be? And if you're not then it's not just starting. There's certain things that you need to stop. The good news is when you dig into the scripture, the Bible is very specific. And really briefly, as I wrap up, I just want to give you just some categories of how how the Bible is specific. And I want to go through this quick just to give you a a flavor. Because many times we think in generalities. Like the more general I am, the more I can talk, but it's not going to change my life. So you actually have to be specific. Like, this is what I will do. This is what I will not do. This is what I will start. This is what I will stop. The good news is the Bible is not general. The Bible is actually very specific. It talks a lot about attitudes and finances and decision-making. 
and the good life and how to get there and wisdom and foolishness. That if you begin to read it and you begin to follow it and you, you begin to walk with God, you, you get the help you need to change. And so here, here's some things that you may need to stop. And these are just general categories. It's not an exhaustive list. But today I, I may need to stop acting so proud. Pride might be a, a, an issue with you where you don't say that. But in your mind, your idea usually is the best. And everything goes better if people just agree with you. That's actually pride. So you may need to stop being so prideful. Uh, just scripture that's specific to this. This is first Samuel two, three. Do not keep talking so proudly. Let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows. And by him deeds are weighed. Helpful perspective. God knows you. He's weighing what you're saying and what you're doing. And he holds the balance. And we could speak arrogantly about ourselves. Sometimes we just keep speaking about ourselves, period. We may need to stop doing that. Instead of trying to insert ourselves, what's going on with somebody else? How can I draw them out? That's actually humility. So we may need to stop acting so proud. Um, Play the the story out. If if I continue in pride, um, I'm going to make decisions that actually are going to cost me. Because if you're very proud, you're not going to ask for input. If you don't ask for input, you're going to make a decision based on what you see. And if you're proud, all that you see is your own idea. But what if it's a really bad one? Play the story out. If you're proud, you're going to make a bad decision. And that can impact you and those you love. Play the story out. If you pride, you know, pride, you're going to have a lack of support because pride repels people. It does. Nobody really admires or appreciates someone who's proud. It repels. The scripture says that God opposes the proud. So play the story out. If I continue in pride, I'm actually going against God himself. How does that magic carpet work? Because blessing can't come if God is opposing me. That happens in in pride. Another category, trusting in man. I'm going to move really quick. Proverbs 29, 25. I just want to give this as an example. So fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man, it's that idea of people pleasing. We care more about what people think of us than what God thinks. And so we want to align and make sure like this person, whether it's my parent, whether it's my spouse, whether it's my best friend, whether it's a professor, whether it's a roommate, whoever it is, we want them to be pleased with us. And we really care what they think. The scripture says that's a snare. You need to stop doing that. It's hidden. It traps you. But play the story out. If I trust in man, then I'm going to be in fear of what people think of me. And if I'm in fear, I can't make progress because I'm fearful. There's no progress as you're fearful. Uh, Play the story out. If I'm people pleasing and I'm trusting in man, then I'm going to get trapped by the expectations of others. If somebody says I need to do something and I need to do it in a certain way, then I'm going to just redirect my own course to make them happy. Play the story out. Someone else is now directing your life other than the Lord Jesus. That could be really, really dangerous. The last category, again, this isn't exhaustive, but grumbling and gossiping. I talked about this earlier. This is so easy to do. And it's not just in junior high. Gossip is something that happens here and now. There's something that you don't like at work. And the thing you want to tell somebody is about what the boss said to you. Because you know you have an audience with them. Right? Let's just be real. It's very easy to complain and gossip, even as adults. But play the story out. 
If you do that, you're going to slow down the progress of the group that you're working on and working with. You could actually, because of what you say, you're complaining, you're gossiping, you could derail the progress of the company you work for, the progress of your family, the progress of your ministry because of your words. Play the story out. We don't think like that. But that's the story we begin to live if we don't stop doing these things. So I want to wrap up. There's lots of categories, lots of things. I don't know your hindrances. I don't know your sin. I know my own. And I know for me, there's lots of different aspects of things that I need to to stop doing. And so I just want to encourage you, pull out your connection card and mark on there what you need to stop. And every week we do this and it's the question today, my next step is to, and then you can fill it out. So today, just stop. What's something that you might need to stop so you can live a story worth telling? Write that in there on the connection card. If you write that this week, I I will pray for you in that specific area. I look through these cards as I say this, and and I want to help you. If you don't want me to know, you could say something, and I will pray for you in that something. But what are the things that you need to stop? Uh, the second next step is to memorize Hebrews 12.1. Since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the hindrances and the sin that so easily entangles. You may just want to memorize that for, for perspective. And then the last one is come back next week and invite somebody. So write their name. Next week we're talking about starting. No, that was last week. We're not talking about starting. Staying. Thank you. It's like, what is that? Next week, we're talking about staying. There's certain times in life in your story where you want to bail. But for God to tell the new story, you actually need to stay and you need to endure in the hard thing. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. So I hope you can come back. Last but not least, I'm going to segue and shift gears. So finish filling out the connection card. We're going to have the offering. You can drop that in there as that comes by. But we have some new members that I'd like to present to you this morning. Thanks. You know, that was, that was good. The boys can't quite hear it, but that still was, was good. Um, membership at Church in the Valley is really not joining like an elite club. It's really joining a team. And we have so many people who are committed to moving the mission forward that God's given us. So many people that really extend themselves to treat each other in a certain way and to serve and to allow this to happen, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week and all that we do. And so, uh, four people have decided to uh, become members. So I'm going to call your name. It's up here on the, the screen. Go ahead and put that up there. Haley Martin, Natalie Reyes, Nicole Siri, and Stephen Weir. Why don't you guys stand? Let's give them a hand. All right. You guys can have a seat. So we're really glad that, that you four have decided to commit, you know, formally to uh, Church in the Valley. So welcome officially to Team CIV. So we're so glad that you guys have done that. And if you're interested in learning more about membership, you can uh, check that on the back of your connection card as well. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up, lead us in a song as we receive our offering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to start a new story and for the power you give us to stop the decisions and the things that we do that prevent this story from happening. 
Uh, God, you are, are gracious to us. You provide the help in the person of Jesus Christ and your Holy Spirit. We, we have the power to change, not because we're good enough, but because of you. And so you provide the help and the means for which we can change. And so, God, help us just to pinpoint just something that that you wanted to speak to us about a while, just something that we need to change. Help us to really identify that. God, if there's anyone here that, that really needs to stop doing it, but they don't know how, God, I, I pray that they'll speak out to get the help that they need. And so, God, we thank you for your grace that you accept us as we are, but you also don't leave us where we are. And so we, we thank you for the work that you do in us. And uh, we look forward to what you do through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. There in the newborn Christ There in the light of every sunrise There in the shadows of this life Your great grace There in the mountain top There in the everyday and the mundane There in the sorrow and the dancing Your great grace Oh, such grace From the creation to the cross There from the cross into eternity your grace finds me. Yes, your grace finds me. It's there on a wedding day. There in the weeping by the graveside. There in the very breath we breathe, your great grace. The same for the rich and poor. The same for the saint and for the sinner. Enough for this whole wide world, your great grace. Oh, such grace. Let's stand together. From the creation to the cross. There from the cross into eternity. Your grace finds me. 